Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Student Section. I'm your host, Jack Duffy. I am a beat writer at the Red and Black, the home of the national champion Georgia Bulldogs, the student newspaper for the University of Georgia. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Michael Hull. He is a beat writer for the independent Florida Alligator, uh, the not-so-national champions, the University of Florida, as that that oh. intro is not going to get old. I'm going to use that, like, all year long. UF is a gymnastics school. Okay. Jack, gymnastics and women's basketball are doing great. I don't even remember. Was there a football season this year? Uh, that happened? For I Florida, don't I don't think there was. No, I, I they, they opted out, you know, yeah. for COVID. Um, nope, happy to be back. Happy to be starting. Are we, car- are we calling this the start of season two? I, I, I think we're this, going with? We're, we'll go with 1.5 right now. This is the off season. This is the off season. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're in the transition phase from season one to season two. We got some big things planned for this off season. Um, and first off, we're happy to be back. We took about a month off just to recuperate from the football season. Obviously Georgia won the national championship. So I've still been recovering from that. Michael has pointed out on my, on this call already of all of my national championship gear. That's in the background of my, zoom screen uh if only you guys could see that but yeah today though we're gonna be answering you guys is questions we're we're gonna uh take some time we asked you guys on twitter instagram all the social media platforms uh if you had any burning sec football or non-football uh questions to ask um so yeah i i'm excited to get started with this um michael what do you expect the 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 big questions overarching questions to be from the crowd here what what do we think we got i expect to see some actual some in-depth questions but i think there'll be a lot of kind of you know joke questions as well knowing the audience of people that submitted questions um i'm excited because you told me a few of the questions but i haven't seen all of them um i had a few on my end but none of them were super appropriate for <laughs> this podcast there we so go. Yeah. they're all coming from your end i guess you just have a more uh pop i guess you're just the more popular host because you got the questions but i mean i, um, I do what i can <laughs> it was just it was just that national championship it, it really just boosted your popularity among the podcasting world so congrats what, what can to i you. say I, I appreciate it i appreciate it Game respects game. So let, let's get started with our first question here. Uh, and our first question actually comes from the guy that started the student media poll, Patrick Feltz himself. Uh, we're going to get shout out Pat, uh, Mr. Indiana Hoosier himself. Uh, we're going to start out with a fun one. So you can schedule a home and home with any team in the country. Who do you pick and why? So, Michael, you're Florida. You're you're the AD at Florida, and you're you're picking a home and home for your football team. Who do you pick? Okay, so I'm Scott Strickland. I'm picking a home and home with anyone. So the first team that came to mind was UCF, just because of that whole thing. I think that would be interesting. I think a home and home with Miami would be could potentially be really cool as well. Bring that back. I think that needs to come back. I think they played in 2019. But that was a non, that was a neutral site week zero game. Uh, it was actually my first game, like as a Florida student. I went down to Orlando for that. It was awesome. 
So I think Miami would be really, really cool. Um, I'm trying to think of one just like out of, out of the state of Florida, just very random. I feel like, I feel like Notre Dame, a home and home with Notre Dame. You get, it's electric. It's electric. You get a game in the swamp and then you get a game in South Bend, touchdown Jesus. I feel like that would be one of the most electric and random home and homes that could happen. Yeah. You have these two storied programs. Um, obviously, Notre Dame's had a little more success recently, but neither have won in a while. Um, I'm going to go with Notre Dame. I feel like that'd yeah. be really fun and just kind of out there. Um, but realistically, I think Miami or UCF, just because in-state rivalries, that type of thing. Yeah. But for fun, Notre Dame, 100%. No, and I agree with you. I mean, Notre Dame, that when Georgia and Notre Dame actually had their home-and-home home series, like 2017 and 2019, it was one of the, like, peaks of each of those seasons for, for Georgia. I mean, obviously, 2017 was the start of their, their national championship runner-up run, um, mm-hmm. and they – Jake Fromm comes in with um, a absolutely no starts under his belt as a freshman into South Bend and gets a win um, and like completely uh, just weathers the storm. Obviously, Dog Nation traveled for that game. That was a really fun game. Um, but yeah, so Notre Dame yeah. is certainly one. Notre Dame is actually I, um, I had forgotten about this until we started talking about it. There is a home and home. It's oh. not for about 10 years. There you go. Um, it's 2031 and 2032. Uh, Notre Dame will host Florida in 2031. And then the Irish will come to the swamp in 2032. So who knows where we'll be in 10 yeah. years. Um, if I'm anywhere near Gainesville or South Bend, I will for sure be going to both of those games. Um, so only 10 years until we get to see that matchup um, come to fruition. So I'm excited for that. Yeah. And that actually leads me into my answer to this question. So I'm Josh Brooks. I'm, I'm at Georgia. I'm scheduling home and homes. Who do I want to see? I, I want Georgia to go all over the place. You know, like we're, we're on the rise. We're, we're one of the elite teams in college football. Now, obviously we won a national championship. So oh, Michael gives me air quotes there. Um, but we are. Um, and I want to see them play powerhouse programs. I want to see them play the Texases, obviously not powerhouse, maybe in terms of their football, Texas isn't back yet. Uh, but their brand is just nationwide horns down though. Um, horns down always. Yeah. Shout out Christina Huang that always thinks the horns are up. They're down. They're not, they're not up, but, um, and so Texas, USC out in Southern California, I would love to see a Georgia USC game uh, just because I think that would be super electric. Uh, Also uh, alluding to it earlier, the 10 years from now, Georgia plays Ohio state Uh, Columbus and Athens in the horseshoe in Sanford stadium. That will be one of the most electric atmospheres. I'm totally looking forward to that. And I, I really hope, that stays on track because I think that would be a really good uh, matchup to see Georgia and Ohio State. Uh, on to the next question. We got it from uh, Ryan Haley, our, our other Florida alligator. Uh, Ryan. Michael Michael loves Ryan on this show. Do, do I have to answer Ryan's question? Uh, you do because it's something okay. that 
the the first because he's left two. Okay. Okay. So the first one is completely not football related. You have to answer this one because I know it's it's pressing. What's the better MCU trilogy, Captain America or Spider Man? Okay. Yeah. So. <laughs> If if you don't Here's know, me and Michael are are big MCU fans. We're we're big Nick, big nerds here on on this podcast. Mm-hmm. So nerd. this is an important. I've, I've got my, I've got my Thor Ragnarok poster and my Captain America: The Winter Soldier poster behind me, which is why I have to go with the Captain America trilogy. Okay. Um, Spider Man: No Way Home is I think my favorite Marvel movie ever. Okay. It, but. Up until that came out, Winter Soldier was my number one. And I think that if you look at you have to look at the trilogy as a whole, you can't just pick out the best movie and be like, oh, this is the best trilogy. Because if that was the case, Ragnarok would be better than the Iron Man trilogy or the Thor trilogy. Excuse right. me. And that's obviously not the case. Yeah. So you look at them all, all three movies versus all three movies. I think that the first Captain America, the first Avenger is on par with homecoming i think that's fair to say yeah. um i think winter soldier far out see far out far out does far from home in my opinion and i like far from home yeah i just think that winter soldier is a top three mcu movie and it's not three yeah um and then you look at civil war versus no way home which no way home is obviously a classic and number one on my marvel rankings i think but I'd say Civil War is borderline top five. Like it's like fighting for that top five spot. It's like it's in the the first one out graphic. If we're yeah. talking college football playoff, it's right there. Yeah. So I think the difference between the quality of Civil War versus the quality of Far From Home pushes the Captain America trilogy over the edge. I'm gonna have to agree with you, and I think all the points you made were pretty much right. I, I think the Captain America trilogy has two great movies and one good movie. The good movie being mm-hmm. uh, the origin story for Captain America, uh, the first one, the first Avenger. Uh, and I think the Spider-Man trilogy has one great movie and two good movies. And, and so yeah. when you're weighing that, I, I would go with the two great movies and one great, uh, one good over one great, two good. Uh, so I got to give it to Captain America though. I love No Way Home. Obviously, if you haven't seen it, you got to go see it. What are you doing? It's February. If you haven't, if you seen, haven't it, seen it, you're just not going to go see it. You're not at no. this point. Um, so, like, if you haven't seen it, I don't know what your problem is with Marvel. It might movie. be a lost cause. Maybe, maybe. You might be a lost cause if you haven't seen it at this point. Yeah. That was actually a surprisingly good question from Ryan. I'm proud of him. Well, so I, I lead you in with Ryan's initial question to answer his next question, which is out of the teams that are not named Alabama or Georgia in 2022, rank the top three. The top three, not named, not Alabama named Alabama or Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. Hmm. That's uh, that's actually no, I'll give Ryan credit. Wow, Ryan is getting credit on the podcast. I, I, I hate it. I hate giving him giving him credit. Um, but that's a good question. Yeah. The top three, I think, I think you have to put Texas AM number one. I think that's fairly obvious. Um, just with their number one recruiting class, I think they're 
pretty solidly the number three team in the SEC. I don't yeah. think there's much debate there. Um, this is where it gets interesting because I think it's a toss-up between four teams for the last two spots, in my opinion. Okay. Um, it's a toss-up between Ole Miss. Yeah. I think that's I think that's where I would lean as of right now. Um, so Old Miss, Arkansas, Kentucky, and South Carolina. It's a toss up between those four, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think my gut says to go Old Miss and South Carolina. I really love South Carolina. I really love what they're doing down there. I like it. I guess up there in Columbia, I yeah. think that I think we talked about this on the last show. I think 10 wins is easily in their wheelhouse. Um, I think a New Year's Six Bowl is easily in their wheelhouse. I don't think they'll be competing for a playoff spot just because right. of Georgia and Alabama, but they could easily finish as the third best team in the SEC, and it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. With the transfers they brought in, with a strong recruiting class, with a great season this year that not a lot of people expected. Yeah. Um, no, I think they're really building something there. So I would go AM pretty clearly, yeah. Old Miss, and then I think South Carolina just edges out Kentucky slash Arkansas. Okay. I the South Carolina pick honestly, like I like it. I I think they'll the Gamecocks have momentum heading into 2022. And so I think they'll be in the upper half of the SCC. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm so high on them just yet because I, I got to see them do it on the field. Uh, obviously, as the season goes on and if they are performing, they I think they are capable of, of those kinds of goals. Um, so for me, I, I agree with you. I think Texas A&M is that three spot. And I think Jimbo and, and that squad needs to take the jump to be with Georgia and Alabama in that kind of conversation this next year, especially with the way they recruit. Um, I like um, Kentucky. Uh, it's, it's down between Kentucky, uh, Tennessee, and uh, South Carolina, Arkansas for me. And I think right now, if I had to pick, I know Kentucky's losing a good bit, uh, but based off of what Bob Stoops has built, uh, I think they'll be back. I, I, I think I'll give it to Kentucky. Uh, and then I also think Tennessee is the team to look out for in the East this upcoming year. Yeah, I, I, I like what um, Heupel is doing over there. Uh, he also exceeded expectations uh, in terms of what they did. I th- they should have won their bowl game. That was a controversial ending. Um, and I think Tennessee is a team that could upset Georgia and potentially unearth some, some of the SEC East kind of potential. And, and I, I'm saying that now Georgia's a defending national championship. Everyone's, they got a target on their back. Uh, Tennessee is a team that I have marked as like, this could be an upset that Georgia doesn't see coming. Uh, and with the way they have an offense, they, they run their offense. I, I think it's easily plausible. So I noticed you didn't mention Florida in there. Oh, but you, I, you I'm surprised. No, no, knowing you, like you're such a big Gator fan. Right, right, right. Lead orange and blue. How much yeah. did that hurt you to not put them in that top three? 
honestly it, it pained me man like that the florida gator brand should be up there it should be prominent which by the way segueing into my next question which is just for you i didn't tell you this one uh but we got a question from jack gleckler he's from ohio um and he's over at the post uh he dm'd me asking if uh, he wanted to hear your opinions on how Billy Napier is going to do at Florida next season and, and how will he adjust to the power five level of play compared to being from Louisiana? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's one that I think all Florida fans are asking. I don't, I think next season with the team he took over this kind of, I mean, the program was in shambles, like no way to, no other way to say it. Um, Mullen kind of left the seam in disarray, to put it gently. Um, but Napier did a really good job this recruiting class. He's got a solid recruiting class for 2023 as well. I think that this year, it won't be a year that Florida fans will like. I think they need to have patience because this is a rebuilding program. Um, they won six games last year. You know, they lost in the gas Bowl to UCF, and it wasn't even close. But they have Anthony Richardson at quarterback. They have talent. They have talented pieces on defense, even though they're losing Kyrie Elam and Zach Carter. There's talent on this team. Napier is the guy. I think that is fairly obvious to say at this point. Just with the way he's already turning um, kind of the attitude of the program around, which they needed desperately after Mullen. Um, I think the... I think the momentum by the end of the season will be there. They finished the year off South Carolina, Vanderbilt, FSU. We love Vanderbilt on we this podcast, but they should finish with two back-to-back wins. And then I would know I was just talking up South Carolina a lot, but if they could beat South Carolina, that would win be their last three games, get a mediocre bowl, win that game, carry that momentum into 23. Cause I think that's where you're at. I think that's where you're at. If you're Florida, you're going to kind of look at the same place you were this year, but you're coming into it with different expectations. Last year, you came into it with like, hey, we can make another New Year's Six Bowl, maybe get lucky, maybe get hot during the season, who knows. Mm -hmm. This year, you don't have any of those expectations. You have Anthony Richardson, and that's it. Yeah. Um, Those are your expectations. And so I think looking at seven, eight wins – making an okay bowl, winning that okay bowl and building towards next year. I am very confident that Billy Napier is the guy though. Um, Speaking of Ryan, we went to, Ryan and I went to his first opening press conference back in December. Yeah, Yeah. December. Um, And we both walked out of there kind of being like, we don't see a way this guy fails. Like we just got that sense about him. He had kind of that presence, very calming, very just, to the point, um, it was kind of a weird feeling, especially as someone who grew up a Jacksonville Jaguars fan, <laughs> where I've never had trust in any coach ever. Right. Uh, except for Doug Peterson now, leading us to the promised land. Anyway. Duval. But no, we walked out of there. We're like, I don't think he fails. Yeah. So this year will be okay, not great. Um, obviously, they'll beat Georgia and Jacksonville, which will be huge. Right, but besides right, right. that. I think you're looking at 2023 and beyond Florida's back to where they should be. Yeah. And and I think Florida needs to be one of those teams like South Carolina and Tennessee were this year. 
um, it, all you want to do is take momentum into the next year. You just want to keep building and building towards something. Um, with Dan Mullen, like he set the bar really high early. It was New Year's Six and he never seemed to exceed it he never seemed to build on that uh and so his time got cut short because they never felt like they were building to something it kind of just felt like they were staying in the same place and so under billy napier i feel like all you need to see is just improvement you need to see that there's a change in culture you need to see that there's changes on the recruiting trail and you need uh steady improvement when win the momentum bowl, as we say, uh, into the 2023 and beyond. Um, and I think Billy Napier, like you said, Michael is the guy to, to do that. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I, and I hope they are because I do want Florida and Georgia to be the game that decides the sec East as it should. Like that's, that's clearly the sec East East staple rivalry. It should be, uh, Jacksonville that decides who's going to Atlanta. Uh, and it would be awesome if those teams are in the top 10 every time they play. Uh, so fun things happening at Florida, a few more college football related questions, and then we're going to pivot into some Super Bowl talk. Um, but first, uh, well, not first, but last sort of playoff ish question we're going to take for a little bit. Do you think the playoffs should expand? How many teams should be in it and why? Yeah, I've thought about this a lot. I think that eight teams is the perfect amount. Okay. Um, I think that you have the first round games at the home of the higher seed. I think a playoff game in the college atmosphere would be incredible. I don't yeah. think they'll ever do that just because money and revenue for the NCAA and for the bowl games and all that type of stuff. But imagine a night playoff game in Tuscaloosa or in Athens or in the big house or any of these iconic locations in the swamp eventually maybe maybe um one day one day but no I think eight teams is the right amount I think that you you start expanding more to like 12 which is the current proposal or 16 you start to get some of these teams that I don't know if they should really be here type deal i think you kind of see that in the nfl when they expanded to seven teams and all of the games with the seven seats have just been blowouts in the super wild card weekend um but i think you get eight teams you get the five conference champions you get three at large bids so you can have teams like cincinnati like ucf a few years ago those teams that deserve to get in do get in Um, And you're not like kind of grasping at straws for teams that are like, ah, I don't really know if they deserve it. I think eight is kind of the perfect happy medium. I agree. And and I like, I wouldn't be opposed to like say the 12 team model that they have. Cause obviously I, I think the goal is just to have more teams in that, that have meaningful games postseason because once you instituted the playoff, the 14 playoff, like most of the bowl games uh, in bowl season lost all their meaning. Um, like most programs are like, it's New Year's six or playoffs or bust. Uh, and so like all the other bowl season games, they're fun, but uh, you see players opting out. You, you see not as competitive games. And so I think the goal 
for the playoffs should be to expand and keep more teams playing meaningful football uh, in late December to January. Um, for me, I think eight to 12 is the right number. Um, I would love to see home like playoff games. That would be the most electric thing they could do. Um, just having, I mean, a completely hostile crowd for an away playoff team um, would be amazing. And, and maybe having that away team upset the home team and just how the crowd reacts, like you want to have that in football. That's the drama and, and really entertainment you would like to see, at, not something at a neutral site where it's split 50, 50. Um, yeah. I, I do think like having teams like Ole Miss, Baylor, those kinds of, uh, of programs that were just outside of like the cusp of the top four, five, six, and they were teams that were like seven, eight, nine, having those teams play meaningful football uh, makes their season worth it. And, and like uh, allows them to, to pride themselves in something. We made the playoffs. Uh, I'm not here. I'm not going to say that you won't get the same four teams in the semifinals because we've seen how the the four or team playoff works out. There's still blowouts. Uh, if you add more teams, there are probably still going to be blowouts. Um, but I don't mind that. Personally, like the best teams are going to end up winning those games. Uh, but maybe once in a blue moon, you will get an upset. Or once in a while, you'll have a team that hasn't ever been on the stage and you get to see them play a home playoff game. Who, who wouldn't want to see that? Like Cincinnati getting to host a home playoff game, that, that would be perfect. Uh, it's great for college football. It's great for optics. And, and I think it should be done. They're moving towards expanding it. I don't know the number they're going to land on, but uh, expansion is the right move. It's the right call. Uh, and I think they are it should head in the, that direction. Uh, last college football question before we move to the NFL. Uh, my friend Colby Belland here in Athens uh, asked on Instagram what we thought of the transfer portal and Lincoln Riley's comments about taking players from the transfer portal, not OU, all that, and how do you think it affects college football? So, Michael, I'll open it up to you first. What do you think of the transfer portal? Yeah, I I like the transfer portal. Yeah. I think it adds a another layer of college football that is a long time coming. It gives players more rights, which is where we're headed with NIL and all that type of stuff. I think it gives players a lot more freedom. Um, at the same time, I can see why people will be upset about it. Like, oh, you're stealing players from Oklahoma, Lincoln Riley. How dare you? And it's like, he's building a program like yeah. that's his that that's his job at USC um I I have no problem with the transfer portal if you want to keep your players build a better program yeah. like keep building and treat your players well and like have a plan for them laid out um yeah I don't I I like the transfer portal I think yeah. the argument against it's kind of a waste of time, in my opinion. We've had people transferring for a long time. The transfer portal is just the next evolution in that, um, or the next step in evolution, I should say. But no, and I do think, you know, Lincoln Riley, 
going to USC. Coaches are allowed to transfer too. It, yeah. He may not handled it the best way. I mean, Brian Kelly definitely didn't handle it the best no. way. But hey, if players are allowed to get up and leave, I don't see why coaches can't either. Um, and fans are allowed to have bad reactions. That's why they're. That's why there's fandom. Yeah, they, they don't have to just like go quietly into the night and agree on everything. Be like, oh well, guess we lost a five star. No. They should have a right to get angry. There should be uproar. (laughs) Yeah, there should be uproar. And that's what makes fandom and sports so great is that we are able to get upset or able to cheer when a five-star transfers to our school or get angry and tweet at our athletic director when a five-star transfers out. That's that's what's great about college football. Um, So, no, I I like the transfer portal. Like, I I have no issue with it. Yeah, the biggest thing about fandom, I'm going to go on a tangent a little bit about the Auburn Twitter people because, uh, like, that's the perfect example of what's going on right now with that. They have a right to be upset with their football program. They have, a, like, I mean, if you haven't been able to follow with, with what's going on at Auburn, uh, not much of us, not many of us can follow what's going on. It's been crazy. Also, the Auburn Twitter people are, are crazy with memes. Like, their their basketball team's insane. I, that's that's the perfect example I could give of fandom and it them doing it right because that's absolutely what you should be able to do as a fan. Um, but yeah, I, I for the most part agree. I do think I mean it's annoying. Lincoln Riley's comments are annoying about uh, you know how like having regulations on the transfer portal, but then saying something about going out and getting not OU players but transfer portal players. That's annoying. Obviously, like he's not. He's not here to be a nice guy. He he left uh, OU for a nice cushy job at in Southern California, um, and he doesn't have second thoughts about that. Like he's gonna go do his own thing. And I think Michael was alluding to it. Coaches are allowed to leave to chase a bigger paycheck. Like if coaches are allowed to do that, you got to give players the right at least once to do that because they only get four years of college football. If it's not the right fit or the fit that they thought they were getting isn't what they got. Um, at their original program, they should be allowed to go. They should be allowed to explore options outside of where they came in. And, and that shouldn't be something where you be, you, you shame the player uh, for exploring those options because that's, that's, they're just doing what's best for them. I, and I think at the end of the day, it's good for the sport. Um, obviously it's, it's helped teams like USC tremendously uh, get those OU guys, Caleb Williams and uh, Mario, um, uh, the wide receiver from Oklahoma. I'm blanking on his last name. Um, but yeah, like they're, they're on their way to building back the USC program. Obviously that looks like it's annoying, but you have other programs, Jackson darts coming to Ole Miss. Like I'm sure Ole Miss fans are happy about that. JT Daniels is going to end up somewhere. It's not going to be Georgia. Um, we'll, we'll see where that goes, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's new and it's obviously it's got its kinks, but as the years go by, I think they're going to get ironed out and, and it's just going to be something everybody expects at, at some point. You just got to get with it. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't hate the transfer portal. Um, no, people, people don't typically like change. I mean, yeah. that, that's just human nature, um, but it's here in the long run. It'll be a good thing. It's just a new twist on college football. Um, and it's, it's not going away. Like we can complain about it if we want to, but it's, it's not going away. Um, 
No, and I think that, like I was saying before, fans have a right to be angry. Um, I'd say don't attack people personally. No, on no, Twitter, no. we're not like doing that. please don't do that um, because you don't know these people. Right. If you had the opportunity to make double your salary at a different location, you would transfer in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, so that's my tiny soapbox. Just quick little, hey, don't be a jerk online. I know yeah. that people are still going to be jerks online, but maybe. But try not to. May, maybe one person will be like, hey, maybe this one time I won't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Don't be a jerk. The, the, just be a good person. Like, what, what, are, you, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah. Just, just be nice. Be nice. Every Everybody love everybody. Yeah, for real. Michael Hole, 2022. <laughs> Let's go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, with that. I think it's time we pivot to what's called the big game. Uh, we got Super Bowl action coming up. And the two teams, Cincinnati Bengals somehow, and the Los Angeles Rams who paid paid to get here basically. Um, but they're both led by two SEC quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford, go dogs, and Joe Burr of the greatest football team of all time. Um, so the 2019 LSU Tigers. Michael, how are we feeling about this Super Bowl? I mean, I'm so excited for the Super Bowl. Um, I've grown up more of an NFL fan than a college football fan, so the Super Bowl is sacred um, in my family, in my house. Obviously, never experienced one as a Jaguars fan. Um, that's a shame. Hopefully one day. Where... It's, it's not all that's cracked up to be. Listen, I've seen a Super Bowl with my team in it. It's not all cracked up, but it's, yeah. It probably would be if your team could, like, hold the lead in that time like actually you know play football in a fourth quarter but anyway i don't know what that means <laughs> well, what's a fourth quarter what's in the a Super fourth Bowl? quarter <laughs> um no i'm so excited for this matchup i think that the rams are a better team at basically every position on the field but the Bengals have joe burrow yeah <laughs> like i think that's what it comes down to the guy just has this weird confidence aura around him that no one really can put a finger on and he's had it since high school essentially um obviously he's gone through a lot transferring from ohio state to lsu struggling at lsu until the best team ever in 2019 drafted number one overall not a great season and then tearing his acl midway through that not great season um, he hasn't had a real off season yet in the NFL All right? because he came into the league COVID off season and then spent last all off season rehabbing. Um, this is this guy's second year in the league and he is one of the best quarterbacks in the game already. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't have a lot of blocking in front of him, which obviously is what everyone's pointing to as why the Rams will win because when you have Aaron Donald, and Von Miller and company just barreling down at you. It won't be, it it may not be a like painless afternoon for Joe Burrow. He will be eating dirt a lot, but this was the same thing as two weeks ago against the chiefs. The chiefs seem to have every position like better than Cincinnati. And then second half comes around. They're down 18. No problem. Joe Burrow's got this. Um, Evan McPherson. Yeah. Let's talk about him. 
Go he's Gators. a great kicker, man. He's a great he has kicker. Been the best kicker in the playoffs. He is a top. I, I'd say he's already a top five kicker in the NFL, just with the way he's kicked in these playoffs. Um, and he's got he's the similar way to Joe Burrow, where he's got this weird confidence about him, yeah. uh, which you obviously need as a kicker because kicking's like ninety percent mental. Yep. Um, I say as someone who's never kicked a football before, so I apologize <laughs> to any any kickers out there I may have offended. But it's a mental game. It's a lot like swinging swinging a golf club. If one little thing goes wrong, you're screwed, and you have that one job. And McPherson does it really, really well. Um, no, I'm excited. I think that it'll be a tight battle. I know we'll have some fun, um, some fun parlays, possibly, potentially. Uh-huh. Um, who knows? I'm in Florida, so I can't uh, I can't legally really do that. So we do I'll be rooting, I'll be rooting you you on. Um, and then JJ Post, our good friend at Notre Dame. Oh yeah, rooting you guys on from the sidelines in your parlay bets. I'm excited for see Matthew Stafford in the Super Bowl. Um, just what he's gone through to get to that point. Talk about a long road to get there. Yep. Um, I just want a good game. Like yeah. these playoffs have been awesome after a not great wild card weekend. We had the best divisional round of all time, one of the best conference championship rounds I can remember. Um, so I'm really excited to see what Sunday brings, man. It'll be it'll be a time. Yeah, I uh I mean it, it's funny, like nobody expected the Bengals to be here. They were the underdog. Zach Taylor had the, I think third best or second best odds to get fired yeah into, or maybe the best odds to get fired coming and, into this and now and, he's coaching and he was a finalist for coach of the year <laughs> yeah. uh like just a really incredible job by the Bengals. nobody expected them to get here they were an underdog in every single playoff game they had this season um but the reason they're here is because of the X-Factor guys of Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Evan McPherson. Those young guys that have proved that they're just those dudes. Like, they are 100% here to to have fun and and go out and just do what they love to do. Uh, And and they're good at it. They just show that, like, they don't have any pressure in their mind. They're kind of just going out there and and doing what they love. which is kind of opposite to what the Rams are. The Rams went all in this season and like this and next season, I would say, because they gave up all of their first rounders. I don't know till like, like it feels like 2025, 26. I don't know when it is. Um, They gave up first rounders to get Matthew Stafford. They got uh, Von Miller. Uh, I, they got Jalen Ramsey through a trade at at one point, I believe. Uh, Who? Yeah, that the salty Jaguars fan, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't. I'm not familiar with that name. Hey, yeah. we got we got Caleb on Chase on and Travis Etienne from that trade. So there you go. Says in denial and grief and suffering and just all types of pain. No, it's fine. Um, I'm fine. I'm not, I'm not mad about the incompetence of the Jaguars. That's not what we're talking about today. Not yet. No, no. Eventually we'll get to that. We'll unearth all that, but um, yeah. So it, it kind of feels like two teams at just very opposite ends of the spectrum. The Rams like have to win this game. Like if they don't, 
Um, Sean McVay is going to be under a microscope. Uh, I won't say his seat is hot because he just went to the Super Bowl, but obviously if you can't win the big game, what are you doing? Versus the Bengals that weren't supposed to be here and are just having fun. Um, and I think that's a really interesting dynamic here. Um, but obviously now that the Bengals are here, they're going to want to win. I'm not saying that, uh, but I think this matchup is going to be closer than people expect, even though I, the Rams are just better at a lot of positions uh, because the Bengals have nothing to lose. They're at, they're in the biggest stage of the game and um, it, like they weren't supposed to be here. They were supposed to be out in the wildcard weekend. Like, like they're, they're not even supposed to get this far. Um, it'll be interesting. I do think uh the Rams defensive line is going to give Joe Burrow fits. And uh, I don't think anybody's doubting that because the way the offensive line, uh, the Bengals offensive line for pass blocking has looked this offseason or postseason, I should say uh, it's been inept. It's not been good. Uh, I mean, they got, he got sacked nine times in the Titans game. They should have lost that game, uh, but Joe Burrow found a way. Um, so even if, the Rams defense comes to play Joe Burrow. You, you can't count him out because he's going to find a way that uh, it, it's just who he is. It's in his, his being, I think it's going to be a really fun game. Like Michael said, we have been like having some fun. Me and JJ of Notre Dame uh, putting together some parlays. We had a, a really interesting parlay in the divisional round. We Michael, you, you're, you're rolling your eyes at that one where we're, we're still salty about that one. If the NFL wasn't rigged, the parlay would cash. NFL, the NFL is rigged. You know, if they just gave Josh Allen a chance to a have chance the ball over overtime, time, we'd be rich. I I do want to give this parlay its moment in the sun because it was like one of the craziest it's, parlays. It needs it. It needs it. Um, so if I remember this correctly, I I, I don't have the uh, exact legs, but. We had the over on Cooper Cup's receptions and the over on who was it for the uh, the Bills? Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, right? Uh, and then we had the Bills to win. We had um, and I'm blanking the Rams to win. Rams to win, and we had Josh Allen rushing. Josh over. Allen rushing yards over. So that one hit pretty easily. That one hit early. The we'll rest of them were not easy. The, the, we'll go through the Bucks rams game first. So if you remember the Bucks rams game, the Rams got out to this huge lead. Tom Brady is mounting a 27-3 comeback. Where have I seen this one before? I have no idea. Um, we're, we're not talking about that. But Cooper Cup needed two catches to, uh, to be over eight and a half receptions. There's a minute left. Matthew Stafford gets the ball. The game is tied. Uh, it's 27 to 27. They need to get in the field goal range or it's going to overtime. Cooper cup gets the two biggest receptions of this game. Not only putting the Rams in field goal range to win the game, but cashing the over on his receptions. So already crazy. We were losing our minds. Like, we were on we got FaceTime call FaceTime and we're just going insane. Like, I thought it was over. I don't usually It should have been over. It but, like, been. I sent a few dollars to Jack. I was like, yeah, let's do it. Why not? Let, let's just have some fun. Um, And we thought it was over. And then Stafford hits cup on one bomb, and we're like, 
can it happen? And then he hits him on another. We start going insane. I thought we had won it right there. I yeah. was like, there's no way we lose this now. No. So fast forward, we get to the AFC divisional between the Chiefs and the Bills, uh, which, by the way, NFL game of the year by far. Um, it was the one of the best games I've ever watched. It, it was great. Travis Kelsey needed five and a half, five and a half uh, over. We picked the over, so he needed six receptions for our bet to hit. Uh, like we were in the Cooper Cup situation, he, um, I think the game, they were down because it was a crazy back and forth between the Bills and, and the Chiefs in the last two minutes. Uh, the Chiefs were down with like no time left. I, it was like 19 seconds. It was some absurd, crazy number. Um, 13. 13. 13 seconds. He hits Travis Kelsey twice in those 13 seconds to give us the over of six receptions. We got six receptions. We're like, oh, my God, there's no way this is real. But they tie the game. That This is where this comes into play. The Chiefs are able to get in field goal range and tie the game. Somehow, with 13 seconds left on the clock, um, they send it to overtime. The NFL overtime rules are some of the dumbest things I have ever seen. I, I, I witnessed it, got screwed by it in Super Bowl 51, and I got screwed by the NFL again. Which, which one hurt more? There's a right answer to this. <laughs> there is a right answer to this. Recency bias tells me it's the parlay. Recency, I, I, good, put, good, I good. put the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 51 isn't even in my mind. I, uh, I don't think about it often, <laughs> um, but yeah, it goes to overtime. You know, whoever wins that coin flip is going to go down the field and score a touchdown and win the game. That's just how these teams were playing in the final five minutes. Like they were at will scoring. Um, and unfortunately the chiefs won the coin toss. I believe it was because the bills called tails and tails failed. Uh, which the tails should never fail. As tails soon as that coin went in the air and it landed in the Chiefs one, I, 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 we were on a group FaceTime for that too. Yeah. And then it happened and we all just like, we, fell we couldn't believe it. It was stunned silence. And, and obviously we were, I was hoping there were times I was like, hey, maybe. And then Tony Romo pulled after. To the Travis Kelsey touchdown, he's like, "Oh wait, maybe he didn't get it, Jim." Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Trying to will the game to keep going because he loves football so much, <laughs> and that made me go, "Wait, did he actually not catch it?" And so Tony Romo gave me like thirty seconds of more false hope. Yeah. I died and came back to life five times in the fourth quarter slash overtime of that game. Um, it was it was such an experience. It was a fun experience. The NFL is rigged. It's it's so um, rigged. it's rigged. You know they didn't want us to win. We're they filing did. a lawsuit on behalf of the, the, us the. and betters everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know we want our three dollars back, and then we want a million dollars in emotional damages because I think that's valid. I I think we all suffered like three miniature heart attacks. I like that's at a, that's at the a way the parlay had went. That's just the Chiefs game. Like, yeah, I think I yeah. had one or two in the Rams game as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, especially, like, I had emotional 
trauma just from the 27 to three part alone. Um, but to have the Cooper cup stuff added on top of it, it was crazy. JJ, if you're listening to this, ah, man, we should have won, but we're, we're coming back for the Super Bowl. We're, we're going to get one. Uh, we're going to get one for us. Um, but yeah, while we're still on, on the NFL, Michael, we talked a little bit about the matchup. Give me your prediction. Who's winning for the Super Bowl? Who's your MVP? What's the score? All right. You ready for this? I, I'm so ready. So we got I want you to picture it. SoFi Stadium going crazy. There's a minute 22 left on the clock. The Rams just scored a touchdown to go up by two. Okay. Is that possible? Yes. Yeah. They went up two somehow. Somehow. I'll get to the score later. Okay. Um, But they went up by two. It's, um, yeah, I'll get to the score somehow. (laughs) They kick off. Fair catch, end zone, whatever, touchback. Out walks Joe Cool, Joe Burr, Joe Burrow himself, minute 21, little, little pass to T. Higgins, little pass to Tyler Boyd, deep shot to Jamar Chase, incomplete. Oh. But then pass over the middle, Jamar Chase. They're going down the field. They're just marching. Time's running out now, though. Burrow takes a sack. Can't do that. Can't do that. Can't do that. Still. Can't do that, Joe. Ball's at midfield with about 15 seconds. They don't have a timeout. They run one more play. Huge completion to T. Higgins to put him over his receptions total, by the way. Right. Uh, Yes. Gets it. They spike the ball. One second left. 51-yard field goal. Evan McPherson for the win. Bengals win by one. And McPherson, Burrow, Cincinnati legends for life. I need to do some quick math here and figure out what exact score that would be um, yeah. because I may or may not have added that up correctly in my head. 3837. Um, 3837. 38, I like Angles. it. It's just going to be a shootout. And actually, a really quick, funny story. So, the church I go to in Gainesville, the, um, the pastor, the college pastor, has now predicted an Evan McPherson game-winning field goal, like the divisional round game winner he hit. He called that the Thursday because it's like a college service on Thursday night. He yeah. called it almost the exact distance the, the prior Thursday. And he called he called the Bengals and Chiefs one. Oh, uh, he called another one yesterday. So I, if you're, I, I if look you're, out, Evan McPherson, man, Evan McPherson. If you're a betting man, I would bet on an Evan McPherson game-winning field goal. That's all I'm going to say. Not saying he's prophesying, but, you know, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Just your your prediction for – I like it. I, I enjoy a close game. It should be close after the, the playoffs we've had. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with – the Georgia boy, Matt Stafford. I I want him to get his ring, but this is the first Super Bowl, like almost probably in my lifetime where I feel like if either team wins, I'm happy. Like it, I, if Joe Burrow wins, like great for him, great for the city of Cincinnati, but I also would love it to see Matthew Stafford get his ring after nine years of hell in the Detroit Lions organization. Um, It would be great for him. Um, So I'm going with the Rams. Uh, I think it's not going to be as close. I- I'm going to say 
35 to 31, but really it's like a, a last ditch effort for, for the Bengals. They're going to be coming from behind a little bit. They, they can't get it done. Uh, and Matt Stafford wins the MVP just because go dogs. It's the year of the dog. Um, yeah, I I'm excited for this matchup. I think it's going to be really, really good. Um, and yeah, I, I think it'll be uh, good for, for football as a whole. Cincinnati being in this spot is great. I love it. Um, yeah. I think that's pretty much all the questions we have. Although, you know what? We'll get one more parting question for our beloved Vanderbilt contingent, our Vanderbilt fans. We are uh, a Vanderbilt podcast. So Vanderbilt is obviously building to something. They're building to greatness. They're we're gonna anchor down. They're Michael said they're they're gonna possibly win what four games? I mean, I said I could see them starting four and up. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So I, I do up. think I do think that they'll double the at least double their win total from last year. So I think they're winning a minimum of four for okay. sure. And they so, can easily start four and zero. It's all messed up. Michael with the bold prediction of the day, 4-0 Vandy to start off. That would be fun. Uh, It would be great for the podcast content. Uh, But the question, before we we say our goodbyes, Michael, who does Vanderbilt beat first? Do they beat the Alabama Crimson Tide first, or do they beat the Georgia Bulldogs first? Well, let's see. They play Alabama in week five and georgia in week seven so they'll beat Bama first and then they'll beat georgia two weeks later. oh no they're gonna be both <laughs> they're both just going undefeated no i think um you brought up the good point of georgia plays vanderbilt every year so just probability wise yeah um the money would be on georgia so i'm gonna say they end up beating georgia first probably at least a few years before that happens yeah. Unless unless Stetson Bennett's starting this year for Georgia, then like who knows? He's gonna be starting, by the way. He's gonna be starting week one, which in and of <laughs> itself, I will he I'm be nervous. starting week seven against Vanderbilt when Georgia's three and three? That's the question. <laughs> oh my god. If we go three and three, I'm gonna <laughs> cry. I'm gonna cry. Um, but yeah, he will be starting week one, and as he should, I, I hope he gets kind of unseated. Uh, I hope Brock. Vandegrift or, or Gunnar Stockton takes the mantle from him. Uh, Those are two anyway. of the whitest quarterback names of all time. They're great names. Stetson Bennett, Brock Vandegrift, <laughs> and Gunnar Stockton. If if those aren't the three most Georgia quarterback names. They sound like they should be at Vanderbilt Law School. They should. Speaking yeah. of which, <laughs> I think Vanderbilt will beat Georgia first before Alabama because, like I said, uh, Vanderbilt and Georgia play every year. <laughs> and we also, I mean, we lost to them back in 2016. So uh, it was, it's been a, a while since they last beat us, but we shouldn't lose to Vanderbilt very often. <laughs> uh, but based on the probability of it, I would say Vanderbilt beats Georgia before they would beat Alabama. Uh, hopefully that's not for like another decade. <laughs> but the Vanderbilt Commodores are building to something. And it's going to be a 4-0 start. So, uh, yeah, with that, I think that's the questions for the day. Uh, we are, have had a, a really fun time getting to answer you guys' questions. Uh, we will have more off-season content coming to you very soon. 
uh, as we get closer to spring football and, and uh, more towards the summer, uh, we're, we're planning on bringing a lot of people on to go come preview their teams. Uh, so we'll, we'll have some good content coming towards you. Michael, as always, tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Michael underscore Hall 33 for it's a lot of Jaguars and magic content right now, since we're kind of getting close to free agency in the NFL draft. And then obviously we're in the NBA season. Cole Anthony is going to win the dunk contest. I think is that's he? pretty easy to say. Yeah, he is actually. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I don't know why you're even questioning that. Like I, that's I just mean, a statement of fact. The after they rigged it for Aaron Gordon to lose twice. Yeah, they, they owe this okay, to the okay. Magic and to Cole Anthony. I'll give it to you. I'll give um, it to you. That's all we have to celebrate right now. That yeah. and Franz Wagner is second in the NBA in the Athletics NBA rookie rankings. That's all Go. we have. And they just traded for Bull Bull. So <laughs> 2023 <laughs> NBA title, look out world. Um, no, okay. but yeah, Michael underscore Hall 33 on Twitter. Make sure to follow the alligator alligator sports i took the semester off to focus on business finance and some other tough classes but they're still doing great work over there um and then while we're talking about student publications do you yeah. want to talk about what's going on at texas a&m real fast i was yeah i was actually about to bring it up because all you texas a&m has put out I, it was today that a notice to the battalion the student newspaper at texas a&m they put out a notice or a, a warning, a cease and desist. I, I don't know what the proper nomenclature for it is, but they basically told the independent battalion, they do not earn any money from the university of Texas A&M. That's, that's not happening. They told the battalion to stop printing its weekly editions uh, in an effort to like shift to digital, I guess. I don't know. It was some, stupid stupid excuse to stupid. control student media to I, I guess control the paper do what they want with it uh and with for me shame on you texas a&m like that's just not something you should be proud of that's that's honestly disgusting that you would even try and control uh your your media like that it's not even yours they they don't earn any money from the university it's all from advertisements it's all from it's all independent um so you have no right to say what they can and cannot do and, and for the people at the battalion keep fighting the good fight uh put out the content you want to put out uh keep raising hell uh support student journalism guys it, it's really important and, and because it, it is journalism. You can remove the, the student part from it and it's still journalism. Um, so yeah, Michael, if you have any words on it, I, I will let you have the floor here. No, I just second everything you said. It's a shameful, just gross and stupid act by yeah. Texas A&M when they have really no legal grounds to do this because A&M or the battalion is a, an independent paper. Yeah. Like it's the same as the alligator. It's the same, same as red and black. Red and black. It's the same as numerous student papers across the country. They get their um, fundraising and they get their capital from advertisements. They don't like, I believe they don't get anything from the actual university. Um, yeah. 
if they do, it's a very small percentage. And I don't, they don't have any legal grounds to try to do this and giving them a 24 hour ultimatum basically is ridiculous for a paper that's been around for over a hundred years. Yeah. Um, just do better Texas A&M. And if there are any Aggie listeners out there complain about this, get upset about it because journalists across country are upset about it. We're trying our best to get the word out there. Student journalism, student journalism is real. Um, it's real journalism. We yeah. work hard. Like it's not easy. Yes, it's fun to travel to these places and cover these games, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. And that's just the sports. The news teams are doing huge things too at everywhere. I mean, it's really, really important. Um, you know, support student journalism, save student newsrooms. Um, yeah. yeah, just shame on Texas A&M. We're, we're with the battalion on this one. Yeah. Shout out battalion, all the guys there. I mean, we brought Ryan Faulkner onto the podcast back in like episode three or four. He's, he's one of their former writers. I think he's graduated now, but, uh, like they have some really incredible people there and, and Texas A&M, it's just a shameful, shameful statement to even try and control a staple of your university, a 100 plus year old paper. Uh, it's terrible. Anyway, off of our soapboxes, I have been Jack Duffy. I, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack Duffy. Uh, that's D-U-F-F-E-Y. I tweet a, a lot about uh, Georgia sports, Atlanta sports. Trey Young is an all-star while we're on the NBA topic. Trey Young is in the three-point contest. He is all that the Hawks have because we should have been a playoff team, and I don't think we are going to be one uh, this season. So, uh, yeah, be look out, be on the lookout for my tweets. I am getting ready to start covering baseball. Uh, baseball season starts in a week, which is crazy. I do not feel ready for the grind that is the baseball season, but – it's going to be a fun one. I will be tweeting live um, updates for games and such. You can find my coverage at my Twitter. You can follow at Red Black Sports to follow more Georgia sports. All we got some great writers putting out some great stuff this semester. Um, yeah, like we said, support student journalism because we work hard. Uh, and with that, also, uh, I don't forget to follow at student media 25 the student media poll we are getting ready to launch a few more podcasts pretty soon here uh patrick feltz and i have been working together on getting some some podcasts up uh as well as this one so if you love this podcast be on the lookout for some new content from other conferences other people uh i'm sure you guys are going to love it and be sure to follow at student media 25 for our weekly polls and men's and women's basketball. Right now, we will be putting out a pretty like a spring football poll. I believe in April is what it is. Um, so looking forward to that. Uh, and with that follow student section, come back whenever we post our next off season episode, we have no idea when that will be, but when that is, we will let you guys know. Uh, and yeah, so thanks for listening and have a good week, everybody.